Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome, fight fans, to the big fight preview for Tyson Fury versus Dillian White this coming weekend at Wembley Stadium. Exciting times for British fight fans as we get to see two British heavyweights fight for the WBC heavyweight title since Lennox Lewis versus Frank Bruno all the way back in 1993. This is a fantastic event, and I say event very loosely because we've got an undercard to talk about or bit much of a lacklustre undercard. We've also got talks about affiliations with Tyson Fury. There's an elephant in the room that many people have been speaking about over the course of this past 10 days. We haven't mentioned it yet, but we are going to mention it in this particular episode. But I'm excited. It's fight week. But it isn't your traditional fight week. Because when this fight got made, we was expecting tables flying, chairs flying, bad-mouthing each other at press conferences and stare-downs. But yet again, as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, Dillian White doesn't turn out for the open workout. What's going on, Johnston? Is it is it is he going to be like this all the way up until Thursday and Friday? You know when they do the final presser and then the weigh in. What's going on? Ah, uh, um, well, look, I I think from what I've sort of read with Dillian, Dillian was sort of mentioning that you know this isn't the Tyson Fury show. This is the Tyson Fury and Dillian White show and he feels that um, reading between the lines or pretty much I mean he pretty much said it that he, he, he doesn't want this fight to be all about Tyson and uh, so I believe that's probably the reasoning behind it I mean there's some legal issues with this because I you know with Frank Warren mentioning that within the original contract there were certain things he should that, that Dillian White should have been doing Um and, and he hasn't been. Um, but then on the flip side, it's, you know, 
they won the purse bid. I'm getting my money. I don't need to do nothing for it. So there's going to be some sort of legal issues. But, I mean, look, let's get it right. Let's, you want these two guys to step in the ring against each other. When that happens, then all this talk, and once, this, once, once the fight's over, I think all this talk pretty much goes away. There may be, obviously, other stuff going on in the courts or whatever. Um, he may white, but I think his mindset is literally just about the fight, Sean. I think that's what it is. He's just about the fight. He just wants... He seems very hungry. I mean, he's even talking about, you know, he's like a throwback fighter that, that would love to fight to the point where you're knocked off your feet. You know, back in the old, old days when he used to... You know, he used to have 12 rounds or 15 rounds back, like, sort of in the 80s or whatever. It was, it was literally a fight to the man that falls... I can't get back up again. And um, he, he said, it made me laugh when he said that because that is Dillian White in a nutshell. He will fight to the point he can fight no more. And um, it almost seems like uh, the 12 rounds ain't long enough for Dillian. Um, and I just think he's just, it, that's his, he just doesn't want to be, he, he's been spending so much time having to take on different contenders and get himself into this position. He's jumped through so many hoops. I just think he's, he's had enough of it. And look, I, I've, I've said anyone that sort of, upsets Frank Warren and Bob Arum. I'm all for it, mate. I can't help it. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to watch the fight. Yes, they probably lost a few more uh, pan, pan notes from, um, you know, from the pay-per-view sales. Probably, quite possibly. Uh, but who gives a shit? I want to watch it. I'm watching it. You're watching it. All the boxing fans that listen to us are boxing fans and they want to watch it. It's irrelevant what Dillian does in the build-up. It's about what he does in the ring. It is about what he does in the ring. It's a, it's a great fight. It's a fight that's been a long time coming. We've wanted to see Dillian White get his chance, and now he's got his chance. Tyson Fury is Tyson Fury. He will say and do as he pleases throughout the course of a fight week, the build-up to the fight, social media, whatever bullshit he wants to come out with, he's going to do it. And and obviously, the biggest thing is that they've sold out Wembley. They've extended it to 94,000. They've beat Cal Froch's 80,000 record, which obviously wasn't going to be difficult to to do with the way boxing has progressed since that point but it's a great fight for the UK more so than ever and we need this fight we want to see Fury Joshua that's the fight we all wanted to see and we could have got last year it didn't happen stumbling blocks court cases all that shit that came with it stop that from happening the next best thing we've got is Tyson Fury Dillian White Dillian White's been quite quiet in the build-up to this. He's come out on social media, said a few little things here and there, kept it relatively quiet. And again, I think it's all psychological. It's all about knowing their worth and knowing that they're getting paid no matter what happens. They're getting paid a certain amount of this particular purse and pay-per-view sales. I think what's not helped is the fact that you know we haven't had this back and forth interaction and it, it probably does damage a little bit of the the pay-per-view sales and the hype for it because you know people want to see this back and forth people want to see what white's got to say to fury and we all know what fury says to white because he says it on social media but it was all about what the dynamic was going to be and it doesn't look like we're going to get it until right at the end of the week now which is difficult because when we're recording a podcast, we want to get excited when we talk about these things happening. And unfortunately, we're not going to get to see all this now until the end of the week. So as we record this, I genuinely hope we do get to see some of this back and forth at the end of the week as it comes towards fight night. It will, for me, get me quite excited about the fight. I am excited, but I feel like the promotion for a fight of this magnitude, it hasn't been that great. Whether that's Dillian Waltz fight or not, 
you know, whether, whether, whether they can blame him for that, whether Frank Warren wants to blame him for that or not, the promotion hasn't been that great in general. Like, you know, there's nope. been there's been no sit downs, no face to faces before now. You know, they've none of them. I've not seen any of them go on a talk show on the TV or promote the fight in that way. Uh, whatever whatever's been signed, sealed, and delivered for this fight, uh, this forty one million pounds that they were talking about, they ain't going to recoup that money from this. I think that's one thing I will say is that they're not going to recoup it because I don't really see a lot of casual boxing fans getting excited about it yet like they'll get excited about it when it comes to thursday when they actually come face to face that'll be the only time people start to to get excited and there might be a little bit of a surge of pay-per-view buys you know thursday friday and saturday but you know as it stands it's been it's been pretty lackluster and i think what's not helped is the lackluster card that goes with it that has really really let a lot of people down and really people have have slated this you've got Wembley Stadium, 94,000 fans, you've sold out, you've got Tyson Fury, Dillian White, two British fighters fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world, and you put on this card. So that That's just an injustice to, to boxing fans, and it's a bit of a slap in the face to, to the paying audience as well, because, you know, we can look at Isaac Lowe, Nick Ball, That that's a good fight, but... It's not a fight for this card for me. You know that's a that's an arena fight. That that's somewhere else. Anthony Kakache, Jonathan Romero, again, don't see the the value in that. That's just a typical Frank Warren show. You see these fights on a Frank Warren card. You've got the heavyweight David Adelaide, Tommy Fury's fighting finally. You've got Kurt Walker, the Irish Olympian, and then other than that, you know the the, the card for me is just. Very lacklustre. It really is lacklustre. And we've not even talked about the fight itself yet or any sort of analysis of this fight because I think we've... I think I feel quite frustrated about the presentation of the whole thing. The, the lack of presentation building up to the fight and the lack of, you know, 50-50 fights on the undercard. I think there's one fight, Isaac Lowe, Nick Ball. To me, that only seems like the one that I would say would be the one that I'd want to watch out of, out of all the other fights on the card. I don't have any interest in, in Tommy Fury at this point of his career. David Adelaide, yes, you know, he's looking good, but, you know, when he steps up, that's when we're going to get to see the exciting times at the moment. They're still building him, as per the rest of the fighters on this card. I If I was, if I was booking this card, I'd want to see, you know, other than the main fight, I'd want to see at least two to three 50-50 fights on this card. I really would. And then the rest of it, yeah, you can do prospect versus journeyman. But this is just sort of predominantly made up with prospect versus journeyman and a couple of fights on the card which are of significance, so to speak, but for the casual audience that are going to be paying 25 quid or, or $60 in the US, this, this isn't going to excite them. This is going to make them go and make a cup of tea or they go, they're going to go off and have a shit on the toilet or they're, going to go, they're not going to watch these fights. They're not going to be interested in them. So you got you are going to lose uh, a bit of viewership on that in my eyes. So that that's probably my five minute run, not a three minute run. That's my five minute moan over and done with now. And I'm going to pass this back to you and, and throw it back in your court and give you some some thoughts, feelings, and opinions that are probably going to echo what I've already said. Ah, oh, mate, absolutely. Uh, the first thing I want to point out is the fact that you know the card is poor. I'm sort of listening. To Warren's excuses, Jared Hurt, Jared Anderson was supposed to be on the bill 
He's the uh, American heavyweight chief sparring partner for Tyson Fury. And he pulled out due to injury. The other fighter that was supposed to be on here was Anthony Yard. So he had two guys on there. We're, we don't know who they would have been matched against, but they were the guys that they were looking to put on the undercard. And due to injuries, that's why those two were there. That would have bumped up the card a little bit more. Been a good card. It depends who they would have fought, really. That would have been the main thing you said. I mean, Yard would have been a good name. The reason, I think the main reason which really frustrates me is Frank Warren. And and his reasoning as well is bringing in Matram. I, I don't understand what Matram's got anything to do with it. He outbidded Matram with Frank with, with Bob Bob Arum. So it, they combined and they outbidded Matram. But yet they turn around and say that the reason why they're unable to give to, to, to uh, produce a better under run out of money. Can you believe that? $40 million they had to put down and they won the bid. But Eddie went, what, $30 million, I think it was. So he went $10 million yes less, probably because he wanted a decent undercard. Frank and Bob have gone in full whack, main event, and now they're saying they haven't got the money to fill out the undercard. That's their excuse. You got, As you say, you've got people paying money to whether they... St- get put up at a hotel, you know, they're paying for their tickets, whether you're paying for pay-per-view, you know, all these people are, are having to put their hands in their pocket. And you're telling me between you two guys, you can't pay a few, a couple more fighters onto this bill to bump up this and get probably you, you earn more from that by having like a better undercard. As you say, all you're going to see is people at Wembley Stadium at the bar. They're just going to get hammered at the bar waiting for the main event. That's what's going to happen. You know, they have a few fans that might follow one of the other fires, but that's it. Let's be honest. I mean, Tommy Fury would probably be quite high up on the card. Tommy Fury, are you for real? Literally just because, you know, of, of his name. Um, I just, I don't like the excuses and I'm upset with the undercard. But look, that's the last thing moaning I'm going to say about this now because I am interested in the main event. And as Frank Warren has said, um, that's what you're paying for. So there you go. Well, that's what you're paying for. You're paying for this main event, and we'll get into talking about this main event now. Tyson Fury, Dillian White. Great fight. On, on, on paper, this is a great fight. These two have been back and forward for years about how they can knock each other out and how they're going to do this to each other. Finally getting it on. Dillian White's finally got his chance. That's the first thing I want to say again. Dillian White deserves this opportunity. No matter what you think of the man, whether you don't like his antics in fight week, whether you don't like what he's doing, or whether you agree with what he's doing, he deserves this opportunity. He's been waiting for this opportunity for so long. He's took more risks than Tyson Fury has taken in Tyson Fury's last... Since he's come back, yeah, he could have said it was a risk fighting Wilder, but he fought him three times. But he, Dillian White took more risks because he fought fighters that were coming up, that were mandated to fight, that were in the way of him becoming number one contender for the WBC title. He lost to Povetkin. He took a chance and it didn't pay off. And then he come back and he, and, he, and he avenged that loss and put himself back in his position. If anybody deserves his opportunity, it's him. And, and I'm glad he's got it. I really am glad he's got this opportunity. Tyson Fury... I've enjoyed watching his career. I've enjoyed watching his comeback. I've enjoyed watching the fights with Deontay Wilder. Yes, he's left us a little bit of a legacy already. But the biggest issue with Tyson Fury's resume is the the, the lack of fighters that he's fought at the very top level. He's fought Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, he, he dethroned him in 2015. Yes, 
big fight, huge win. He beat the man who beat the man who beat the man and all that. And then he beats Deontay Wilder. And then he beats him twice. So for me, he hasn't got any other big names on his resume. I put a tweet out when Dillian, when Tyson Fury beat Deontay Wilder for the third time. And I remember putting it out on the, the podcast account, on BTR's account. And I remember it causing not so much controversy, but it certainly caused debate. And he was talking about the fights that we wanted to see, Johnston, about who he should be fighting next. And we talked about Dillian White being the next opponent and then the winner of Joshua versus Usyk. And people's responses were, yeah, but why is Dillian White the the gatekeeper to greatness? And it's never it's never been Dillian White's the gatekeeper to greatness. Dillian White has earned his shot at this title Dillian White is in the position to fight for this title because he has fought the guys that he's needed to fight. He's fought the Derek Chisoras, the Robert Hellaniuses, the Joseph Parkers, Oscar Rivas, Marius Fatch, Alexander Povetkin. He's gone through some of these guys to get here. When you look at Tyson Fury's resume, Otto Volin and Deontay Wilder and Vladimir Klitschko are, 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 the, are the three notable names now on his resume. For me, this is a big big fight for Tyson Fury's legacy because he needs to win this fight. He has to win this fight if he's got any chance at having this final, you know, final charade, as he, as he likes to call it, this this final circus against Joshua or Usyk, whomever that may be. He has to win this fight. A loss for Tyson Fury here would be catastrophic because he's at that point of his career where you can kind of tell, and I don't know if you can get the same vibe from it, that he's he's already thinking about his end goal now. He's at he's at his end goal. He knows what he wants. He knows where he needs to go to get there. And he's already I already feel like one foot's out of the door a little bit when it comes down to the sport. Like he's at this point of his career. Yeah, he's the champion. Yeah, he's defending his title again. Yeah, he wants this one big fight at the end. But I already feel like he's checked out a little bit. I mean, I could be wrong. But I just kind of get that impression by some of the stuff that he says and he does and how he could easily retire after this fight. And he's, he's, he's adamantly said it in press interviews. And maybe it is just reverse psychology making people think that. But I kind of feel he's checked out a little bit. Whereas I feel like Dillian White, he just wants to get in that ring and he just wants to prove and lay it all on the line that he has, has, has deserved this opportunity. And... Come hell or high water at 11.30 on Saturday night here in the UK, we're going to know whether he had enough or not to beat Tyson Fury or whether this was a straightforward victory for Tyson Fury. But the one thing I will say is that, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting fight as long as it lasts because I'd be very, very, very surprised if it goes 12 rounds. Yeah, it's... it's... <sighs> I mean, we'll get into the breakdown in a, in a little while um, and sort of what the keys to victory are for both fighters. But but you're right in terms of Tyson Fury. I do believe the same where I do think he is looking probably at two more fights, maybe three down the line. I think I think this one, the winner of Joshua Usyk, and then he'll probably fight the loser of Joshua Usyk as well, if not get a rematch. Um, depending, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not saying that just discrediting Dillian White here, but, you know, that is Tyson Fury's aim. Let's get through White, the winner of Joshua Usyk, and then he'll have all the titles again. Uh, and then he can look to try and, whether, whether we believe it be Usyk or Joshua, to, to try and get 
another fight against probably the loser of the Usyk Joshua fight as well. Depending how close the white fight, white fight is, maybe a rematch. You know that is the end goal, and, and you know that that comment that someone said, "What what makes Dillian White the, the sort of the name to greatness or the path to greatness?" That he's fought Deontay Wilder three times. What makes Wilder the gatekeeper? Wilder ain't the gatekeeper. People get a bit disillusioned with with with. Um, Deontay Wilder and, and make him he was like the second best fighter no he wasn't not for me not for you there are other fighters out there and I think you know that those that a trilogy or you know I know he fought Volin and he, and he fought uh, Schwartz uh, sort of in between those the, the trilogy but for me I think that sort of stalled Tyson Fury's career a little bit fighting the same guy over and over again Look, they were good fights. They were tremendous fights. I'm not knocking it, especially the third one. The, the first and the third in particular were, you know, the second was just to beat him up. But, you know, the, the third, again, was better because he hit the deck a couple of times. And that's what, obviously, Dylan White would be looking for. But in terms of what Dylan White has had to do, and you look at his CV compared to to Tyson Fury's, you know, there is you, you, there is an argument there that actually, in recent years, he's fought the better fighters. Um and okay, yes, Tyson Fury beat Klitschko, he had an amazing achievement, and he's beat Wilder. You know, he had a good win against Otto Volume. But you know, let's face it, I still don't. I think even Tyson Fury knew that he had Deontay Wilder's number from that very last round. He got put down in their first fight, believe it or not. I do. I think he thought oh, I get myself in half decent shape, and I'm gonna toy with this fella because he's not that great technically. He's not great, and. People talk about his, his massive right hand. Look, he's not guys out for fun. And I'm not discrediting that. But he doesn't, you know, he hits hard, unbelievably hard. But I still think Dillian White hits hard. I still think Joshua hits hard. Parker, if he hits you well at, with, with speed and timing, can hurt you. Now, I, th- I think the fact is, is it makes it an even key. It does slightly. I, I'm, by looking at their CVs, but I do, you know, I'm going to heavily favour Tyson Fury. We'll go into that why, but it's inevitable that people will. Maybe that is half the reason why you, because so much, I don't think there's anyone really that's going to call White as a winner here. And I think that even Fury knows that in the back of his mind. So therefore, will he go into this and take his eye off the ball? And could Dillian do the impossible? Well, not the impossible, but shock, shock the heavyweight division with a victory. It's possible. It's plausible. Well, the one thing I've noticed looking at today's open workout is social media videos have shown me that Tyson Fury, oh, we know his physique has never been your stereotypical, you know, built like a brick shit house physique. He's always been this, this guy that's a bit flabby around the edges and gets himself into relatively decent shape for, for the stature of the man that he is. He's always been that shape. That's always been him. But the one thing I have noticed looking at social media videos of today's workout is that I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. I probably am. He looked a little bit flabbier than what I've seen him before in and around his sort of waist area, his, his, his love handles, his sort of back fat love handles. And I was looking at it thinking... Yeah, I know he's a little bit chubby and, and, and whatnot, and he goes into fights, you know, not looking like Anthony Joshua with his six-pack, but I've, ne- I've not seen him look like this for a while. I mean, the last time I seen him look like that was when he first came back against Sefer Safere, when he was, you know, just bringing his weight down and he was just trying to get himself into physical fighting shape once again. Maybe I'm looking too much into it. Is there, is there a possibility that he has... He is overconfident, and that I'm not saying he's overlooked why, but maybe he is 
he's overconfident in his own abilities that he thinks what he's got will absolutely negate what White's going to bring to the table. Now, the dangerous thing about White is that he will lay it on the line and he will literally go out on his shield. He would rather be knocked out in the ring like he was against Povetkin than, than a fight be stopped by a referee. He, he is literally the epitome of that fighting man. And he will, and he will go out and he will put it all on the line. But is Tyson Fury overlooked him? There's some, some good questions here that I think we're not going to know the answers to until about 11.30 on Saturday night, as I've said before. But... I'm I'm just kind of feeling a little bit like he might have just overlooked him just a tad. That that's that's my initial gut feeling. I could be totally wrong, and Tyson Fury could go in there, knock him out in two rounds, and uh, I'll be like, right, okay, baby, I was completely wrong. I just look at him and I look at his shape and I look at his demeanor and I think he thinks this is a given. Tyson Fury thinks this is a given victory for him. And I think I think that's what he's coming across as. That's the perception he's creating to me anyway. I'm getting this vibe that he thinks he's already won this fight. Whereas Dillian White is, is remaining quite silent. He's, he's obviously away. He's training. He's working his ass off in the gym to get himself in physical prime shape for this fight. He'll, he'll be in the best shape of his life, I would expect, for this fight. So let's go into a bit of a... A breakdown of, of how this fight then can be won by both fighters. Let's get into the sort of the meat of the bones of this one and talk about how how's Dillian White actually going to be able to beat Tyson Fury? Is he going to be able to get near him? Can Tyson Fury use his physical advantages or will that left hook of Dillian White's get through and put Tyson Fury in his ass again? What do you think? It's uh, look, I think. Um... Uh, a few. I mean, Tyson Fury. For me, I think he he should be looking at fighting on the back foot from the off. I don't think he should necessarily go after Dillian White. And, and I'm not suggesting that if if he does do that, that White wins in exchange if they just went toe to toe. Because I think Tyson Fury is big enough and strong enough to to knock uh, Dillian White out as well. Um, I think I think people that just sort of suggest that, or oh, if he has a toe to toe, then it, it's White's fight. Yes, it is absolutely because uh, you know. Tyson Fury, what he is good at is using his legs and good at moving and good. At, he's got a longer reach. He's a bigger guy. So, you know, for him, he, he's going to be looking at it as let's just wear him down, maybe. I, I think that's probably the one thing I, I I look at. I mean, not to give too much away in terms of our career profile, but, we, you know, I've been reading a little bit of Joe Gans at the moment. And, and Joe Gans, the one thing he says is every time you miss a swing, it is worse than being hit. You know, the, the great old master is spot on. Tyson Fury, if he uses his jab and he allows Dillian White to throw those big haymakers that he loves to throw and he misses, that's just going to fatigue him badly. He's going to waste all of his energy. He's going to weaken and then it'll only take a few blows to put him down. And as you say, possibly out, because that's the only way he's going to go at. So for me, Tyson Fury just needs to bide his time, jab his way. Doesn't need to be as aggressive as he was against Deontay Wilder. Tire him out, because we've seen it. Dylan White gasses, doesn't he? He gasses badly, sort of in, from the middle rounds, to probably about, up to about 10 rounds, and he has a late surge for the last couple of rounds. So it's those in-between rounds where if Tyson Fury really wants to stop him, I think that's where he stops him. For, well, for me, when I look at, sorry, I'm going to jump onto Dillian White quickly, Sean. And the one thing I will say with Dillian, and as you've pointed out beautifully in terms of Tyson Fury's body, that's what he's got to target. 
He's got to target the body. It's, 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 he's at that height. He's never fought a guy as tall as that. When he pops off his jab and throws in the right hands and the left hooks to the body, he's got to throw combinations. He's got to get close to him. But target the body. It's a massive body. And, and that is absolutely the way to beat him. Take his legs away. I can't think who it was who said it. We've done so many career profiles, whether it was Custy Amato or Ray Arcel, whoever it was. They always say, you know, if, if you, you know, with someone like Tyson Fury, who's got a really strong mind in the ring because he has a very powerful mind. His, his recovery is, is immense. He will, you can put Tyson Fury down, but his recovery is so good when you put him to the chin. So if you put him down with a shot to the chin, he will get up and he will recover. So if you target the body, so whoever it was, I can't think of who it was that said it, but you take away the body, you take away the mind. And that's the only way I believe uh, Dillian White wins this fight is to slow him down and then attempt to just unload on him. Um, and, and hopefully, maybe, because no one's ever really done it before, by targeting Tyson Fury's body, that may stop him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big, massive shot. Uh, it really is. Dillian White needs to perform the best of his ever fought and Tyson Fury needs to overlook him slightly and not be as good. I think that's the only way he wins. Well, it's a good argument for both. It's a good way of breaking down how both fighters can win this fight. I'm not too different from you in opinion when it comes down to how they both win this fight. Tyson Fury has them advantages. As we as we know, he's got the advantages to make this fight easier. People compare it to Derek Chisora's fight. I think Tyson Fury even said, I'll beat you, yeah. beat you worse than I beat Derek Chisora in that second fight. If you're going to look at any fight, that's the blueprint to look at to see how this fight could actually potentially go down. The way he beat Derek Chisora in their second fight, for me, was the way I think he's going to fight against Dillian White. I think that's the way he's going to adopt. I think that's the way he's going to do it. However... He could go in there and he could want to blow him out of there. He could want to make a statement. Not likely, in my eyes, but then who expected him to do it against Deontay Wilder in their second fight, the way he did? But I think he's... If, if I'm Tyson Fury, I'd be looking at fighting on the back foot. As you rightly said, countering, using the advantages, popping that jab off, not letting Dillian White get in the inside and try and work that body and try and, and rough Tyson Fury up. Because... Moving on to Dillian White, if you're Dillian White, you're not gonna you're gonna close that gap. You're gonna wanna close it down. You're gonna wanna get on the inside. You wanna you're gonna wanna fight a little bit like a Joe Fraser style. You're gonna bob and weave, you're gonna get on yeah. the inside, you're gonna move under them long levers of Tyson Fury's arms, and you're gonna wanna make sure that you can push him against the ropes. Yeah, Tyson Fury's the bigger man physically. He's gonna have that weight advantage over Dillian White. But if Dillian White does come in a little bit heavier, maybe he could push Tyson Fury onto the ropes and pepper the body and, and smother the work of Tyson Fury because the one thing that he will struggle with is his work being smothered in that corner or against them ropes. He's he's a good inside fighter as well for a big guy, Tyson Fury, but you take away them long levers, you take them out of the equation and you're smothering him against the ropes. You've got the opportunity to throw some nice short hocks to the body and some uppercuts on the inside. But Dillian White being Dillian White, he likes to throw these, these more wider shots, these more unorthodox shots these left hooks these overhand rights and as you said that could be his downfall for this fight if he exerts too much energy too soon Tyson Fury is just going to sit back and just going to keep popping that jab off and make it an easy night won't be an exciting fight for us to watch but it'll certainly be an easy night at the office for Tyson Fury which I think is what he believes is is going to be the key to how he's going to win this fight against Dillian White 
they've both got good ways in how they can win this fight. It's either for me, it's either going to be a repeat performance of of Derek Chisora two, or it's actually going to be a lot closer than we think it is, and and maybe just maybe we'll see Fury hit the deck again because. You know, he has been put on his pants a few times in his career, as we know. Most recently against Deontay Wilder, of course. It's quite possible he gets caught. We've seen him get caught as he's on the back foot, as he's trying to step away. Dillian White has got the reach to be able to get to Tyson Fury. That's the thing. He can get to Tyson Fury. And I think if he gets him, he is going to put him down. And in terms of how this fight plays out, I'm... I'm I'm favouring Tyson Fury. I'm 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 not I'm I'm not putting a prediction just at this moment, but I will shortly. I am favouring Tyson Fury. I do think it's going to be a fight where it's going to be tentative for the first round, two, maybe even three. But I think by round four, I think the fight will explode a little bit. I think Dillian White will then start to try and find that range where he can get to Tyson Fury and land. And I think once he lands, once he gets to Tyson Fury, whether it be you know, a cuffing shot, whether it be a scuff shot, whether it even just be a shot that doesn't have a lot of power in it, but it lands it. I think once he touches him and gets him, I think that's when his confidence will start to grow. And I think that's when he'll take more chances. But that's also when we could see Tyson Fury at his brilliant best. So it, it, it does make for a really good fight. I've always maintained my prediction for this fight was going to be Tyson Fury. And as the fights got closer and, and the, the you know, the, the sort of faculties that I've looked at over these past few days, given that we're recording it before the weigh-in and before the final press conference. At this moment in time, my prediction for this fight would be a Tyson Fury, uh, a late stoppage. I honestly think he stops him late. I think he stops him rounds 10 to 11. I think he, he, he wears Dillian White down. He wears him down like he wore Chisora down. And eventually he gets him to the point where he's physically exhausted. Where the punches that wouldn't have hurt him in rounds 1 and 2, maybe 3 and 4, will start to hurt him in rounds 10 and 11. To the point where I think the referee steps in and saves Dillian White. Or the corner pulls Dillian White out. So Tyson Fury wins this fight for me rounds 10 or 11. As I think it's how it's going to go down. Yeah, I, I can't argue. I mean, it's 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 pretty evident when you watch um, Dillian White's fights how he does have the moments where he gasses for me. Uh, he gets tired, and and it's he, he just he, he looks like he he sort of staggers around. He's on his heels. Uh, he, he almost leans up against the ropes at times, isn't he? Flat, really square feet, and you can just almost visualize Tyson Fury just popping off the jab putting a pressure on him, sitting down on his shots. And that will be the moment where Dillian White, just whether he actually completely knocks him out like Anthony Joshua did, or whether a tail comes flying in the ring. I mean, that it's got, I can't argue with that prediction. Sean. I can almost see it as you're saying it. Um, and and I, it's, it's difficult to look beyond that. I, I, I just think with those times where, where White tires, it just does. When it gets to a hundred percent, he will have a couple of rounds, whether it be six to eight or seven to eight or even to nine or three or four rounds. And Tyson will clearly identify those rounds as the points to go for it. I would be very surprised if he does come out and starts the way he did against Wilder, sits down on his shots, pop, popping off the jab, going with the right hand over top. Um, and I would be surprised if he did that. Uh, and it's, but it's possible. I don't think that's the best time to get White. And White has been down a few times. I think I think White is just going to have to 
allow Tyson Fury to try to come to him. Don't chase him around the ring for the first couple of rounds. Allow Tyson to come to him and then look to sort of step in, get around the foot and sort of throw that left hook, uh, get around his lead foot. Just just, just throw them, them left hooks into the body. Even if it's just a couple of left hooks every now and then, a little combo, like one to the head, one to the, you know, I think that body, it has to be hit. We just haven't seen Tyson Fury. I mean, I can't recall it, Sean, can you? Can you really recall anyone at any time ever putting it on Tyson Fury's body? I no. just, I don't understand why fighters wouldn't identify that. And it, whether it's maybe they have, but they're unable to because he's just got, he's so big and he's, he's, he's agile. For, you know, he moves, he's got great leg, you know, his footwork ain't brilliant, but he moves well around the ring and he's able to slip shots. You know, his hands will be down as well. So it's not like you can't hit it. And I think, the technique is to be just punch, throwing them jabs into the to the chest for Dillian, um, and and just to work that body. Uh, if if he if he can't do that, then I can't see him doing anything. I mean, he may do something spectacular and we've never seen before. I can't see that happening. I just think um, I think Tyson will, as you say, I think Tyson either stop him late, or I just think he just Dillian White will hang on in there. He may even catch him with a shot, as you said, and Fury does hit the deck, little flash knockdown. Tyson will probably put White down as well. And, and I, I just think eventually, I can, I can almost see that last round where they're just trading shots. You're thinking one of them's going to go, but Tyson's so far ahead at that point um, that he wins on points. I, I think Tyson wins this by about four or five rounds on points, um, but they will both probably hit the deck. But I'll, yeah, I'm going to go Tyson Fury on points. So there's the predictions for this fight, guys. Who's going to win? It's going to be quite divided, I think, this weekend. I think people are going to actually give Gillian White more of a shot than, than maybe what they think he actually has at this moment. But like we say, we're recording it on Tuesday afternoon, so we haven't seen the final press conference where the White turns up to it. I hope he does. The weigh-in is going to be very significant, I think, as well. So it's hard because we want to get these previews out a little bit earlier on in the week for you to give you time to listen to it before the big fight. So... By the point that you listen to it, it might be that the weighing comes in and Tyson Fury looks terrible and Dillian White looks great or the opposite way around. It's difficult to say, but I've seen Tyson Fury and his boxers again doing the open workout today and I just felt he looked a little bit flabbier than what he normally does around that midsection and that could be the fact that he wants to carry a bit of the extra weight. Whether that's how he carries the weight, I know that's how he's carried it for a long time. But he just, he just looks flabbier to me. He just doesn't look, look like he's in the same shape he was in against the likes of Deontay Wilder and and fights before that. So I don't know if it's just me overlooking it a little bit or thinking too much into it. But I'm sure by the time Friday, well, by the time Friday comes, Johnson, we'll get to see on the scales like where we're at, and I'll be interested to see sort of what weights they come in at. I know there's no limit on 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 the heavyweight, but I'll be interested to see how heavy he comes in to see whether he is trying to sit down on his shots or whether he is going to go for more lateral movement, Tyson Fury. And then if Dillian White comes in heavier, to me, that looks like he's going to go for the knockout. He's going to try and put it on him. If he comes in a bit lighter, he's going to try and move around and get on the inside and get out. I think that's going to tell us a little bit about what the game plans could potentially be when we, when we do see that. So that's the big fight preview. But on Friday night, there is another fight in 
Merseyside in Liverpool. Joel Real Casamayor, or John Real Casamayor, should I say, is coming over to Liverpool to fight and defend a WBO World Bantamweight title against Paul Butler. That's a fight that's gone way under the radar. Way, way under the radar. Probably because of the fact that Pro Abellum has had some ties or links to a certain Mr. Kinahan, who we'll be speaking about very shortly. Uh, Sam Maxwell's also on that card. James Jazza Dickens, Peter McGrail. Joe McGrail's on that card, Rocky Fielding's on that card, Luke McCormack's on that card, so that's one to check out on the Friday night. Also, we've got a good fight in the Super Featherweight division on Friday at York Hall, as Dean Dodge and Reese Bellotti go at it for the vacant Southern Area Super Featherweight title. And Ashley Sexton, I've not seen Ashley Sexton in the ring for, for quite some time, but he is in the ring also on that card. He's not fought since 2016, and then he came back and had one fight last year, and he's now back active in the ring once more quite interested to see uh, where he goes in his career on his little uh, little resurgence that's come back here so they're they're the main fights for me to check out over this weekend there aren't any other major fights over in america this main fight is dillian white tyson fury this weekend and we've given our predictions we've given our thoughts and our feelings and opinions on this fight one thing we wanted to mention is obviously the elephant in the room. Like everybody's been talking about uh, MTK's links with Daniel Kinnahan, Tyson Fury's links with Daniel Kinnahan, and now the FBI have put a five million dollar bounty on his head and members of his organized crime group. What they bought, what they've suggested is an organized crime group. I don't know a great deal about like what what his history is. All all I've read is that this. This guy has, has come into boxing and he's been financing boxing or some aspects of boxing behind the scenes with money that people and journalists are saying has come from illegal activities, which is why the FBI have put out a warrant and a $5 million bounty on his head, essentially, for, for, for him and a couple of others that are part of his organised crime group. I've seen this on social media for months. People have been talking about certain fighters being aligned with him having pictures with him and how how fighters have actually bigged him up and said he's a great advisor and he's this and he's that and then i've read a lot of journalism that points to him being a very vicious gangster and and sort of taking it back to the days of the likes of blinker palermo and frankie carbo in america it seems like daniel kinnahan is is, is kind of like the modern day version of these guys and that's kind of the impression i've got from a lot of the journalism that's been put out there that's been the biggest elephant in the room. I actually seen a tweet yesterday from from someone on social media that said that they're calling it now that at the end of the fight, Tyson Fury actually bigs up Daniel Kinahan and says it publicly in front of the world, which wouldn't surprise me, Tyson Fury. But what have you what have you made of all this? What have you made of of, of all this talk of Daniel Kinahan? He certainly fits the bill for the darker side of boxing, and and many people have actually messaged separately and said you know you should do a darker side of boxing and daniel kinnahan I'm, I'm thinking well given where he's at at the moment and the links to who he has links to 
I think I'd rather kind of keep my legs at this moment in time. And I think I'd rather pass on doing something just right now until things actually come to fruition. And we find a little bit more about whether all these allegations and crimes are a hundred percent true. Again, I'm only going off what I've read and what I know. There's probably people more well-educated out there on this subject matter that could tell us a little bit more, but I'm just thinking about it from a boxing perspective and his involvement in boxing. What have you made of it all? Yeah, I mean, um, he's, he's, he's come to the forefront, mate. I mean, for me, it came from from Tyson Fury, didn't it? Um, I mean, he was looking at getting the... He was going to pretty much fund the Joshua Fury fight. That's what he looked like, didn't it? I mean, he was being disgusted. And, and Aaron, Bob Aram came out um, and said that he paid Kinahan up to $1.5 in consultancy fees for each of Fury's last two bouts against... Wilder, as well as fights against Otto Volin and Tom Swartz, um, and said the relationship had broken down uh, during talks for Fury's fights, uh, Fury's fight this Saturday against Dillian White Wembley. Um, and Bob Aaron said he's he's been he, he was becoming greedier and greedier, and he became more of a burden than a help. So um, even Bob Aaron um, clearly. Uh, not really a fan and sort of wants to disassociate himself. And I mean, Bob Aaron's one of the shadiest gazes you'll ever know <laughs> uh, if you dig into his history. But um, clearly wants to be uh, disassociated with him. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the, the fact that the FBI have put so much money behind an investigation into whether capturing him or um, linking him with certain illegal activities whether it be his family or corporation that he's involved in um it seems like i mean if the fbi are willing to fund that amount of money behind it then you can't help but wonder like obviously this guy's a bit dodgy uh, i mean you mentioned frankie carbo he is he, he, he seems to be the fellow that's sort of been sitting in the shadows and now he's sort of starting to emerge as reporters write about him back in those days reporters wouldn't dare write about certain people like that because they would you know they just you just wouldn't dare just in case you for the sake of your health and your families. But look, Tyson Fury apparently he's come out and said it's none of my business and I don't get involved in other people's businesses. That's about as much as I've seen him say. Um, look, it's 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 it got, it gets a picture with him as well. Tyson Fury, there's a picture of him sort of. I think it looks like it's in Dubai. Um, he's sort of wearing the headscarf and that. Yes, yeah, so it's not good really that Tyson is associated with a guy like this, um, and it does it brings rumblings from back in the day. Um, so yeah, look, it's it's not good, but the fact is they had this Zoom call, and and if, what I found interesting is no one actually had the bollocks to actually ask Tyson Fury about it then, um, which is a bit of a shame, really. I know it's all about the fight, and they haven't had much talk about the fight, but uh, yeah, I just think um, yeah, he's not good for the sport, and. But you can't help yourself. I mean, we love all these. Uh, I, I don't love this guy, but you know, I do like that darker side element of things. Uh, I find it quite fascinating. But look, um, it's, it's the elephant in the room, and people are just failing to really push Tyson Fury on it and the team around him because I do think it isn't. It's not great, and it's a part. It's become a part of this fight. So uh, you can't help. You can't not talk about it. No, no, you can't not talk about it, and it will be a. Uh... 
uh, a factor in 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 the news I think going forward for for the next few months when it comes down to boxing there's a lot of talk about how he's funded MTK he's even funded IFL there's even like vicious rumors on Twitter about him actually buying out James Helder's half of IFL and apparently he bullied him into selling his half to Coogan that's why James Helder left very abruptly and no one really heard from him from a while and now he's in football instead and James Helder hasn't really had any confirmation of that. He's not confirmed anything on social media about it, but I've seen many people within the boxing fraternity say the same thing, and it's like, you know, I know that it's a bit of a Chinese whisper going around, but, you know, some part of me actually believes there's some truth or some elements of truth to, to that story as well. So it just goes to show you the sort of influence that this guy seems to have uh, within the boxing world behind the scenes, and, and I'm interested to see how this all lays out going forward and whether he goes away from the sport and, you know, disassociates himself away from the sport and, and goes and deals with what he's dealing with and how other boxers who've had loads of pictures and spoke out about him are, are starting to block other people when getting questioned about it. And I know there's quite a few of them in boxing that have been questioned quite vehemently on this and they've just blocked the people that have been asking them the questions. So that kind of screams out that maybe they know they're in the wrong for associating themselves with him now. So I, I am interested. Yeah. It's going to be a talking point for quite some time. Uh, but that is the end of this show. That is the end of the big fight preview for Tyson Fury, Dillian White. We've given our predictions. I've said between rounds 10 and 11, Tyson Fury, KO slash TKO. Johnson, you've gone for a Tyson Fury points win. Really excited to see it. You can go and check out our friends at Daz TV to go and see this big fight this coming weekend. Daz TV on Twitter. And you can follow us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we'll be back next week for all the reactions and thoughts, feelings and opinions on Tyson Fury and Dillian White. Podcast Network.